LSG Media presents a Game of Thrones podcast. Game of Thrones has returned as has, as has... As has our podcasts, Game of Thrones podcast by LSG Media. I'm your host, Dean. Joining me, as she always does, is the lovely sub-host, Jessica. Well, hello. How are you doing this fine Monday evening? I'm doing awesome. I have a smoothie, so I have a healthy treat to get myself from this podcast. I got some notes in front of me. I watched the episode for the second time this morning, and I'm ready. Wow. You are... The epitome of professional. I know. You're a true pro. Ain't that the truth? You are. And I'm happy to say that uh, this was my favorite episode of the season so far. Me too, I think. I enjoyed it. I felt like it was very long. And I was thinking about this today and I was thinking, you know, when I'm covering The Walking Dead, I think of how much more work it is to cover that podcast, right? The Walking Dead podcast that we do because there's so many more episodes. But then I think minus the commercial breaks on a 40, how many actual minutes am I getting? Sometimes I feel like I get so much more out of these 10, you know? Yeah, I do understand that because The Walking Dead is approximately 76% commercial. <laughs> that's a good point. If that's, I had to guess. That's some uh, some some strong tested math too. We've put it to the tests. Don't I got I'm getting an A in my math class, so don't you worry about that. Mm. Well, let's talk about High Sparrow. Let's. They named this episode High Sparrow, but we didn't get much High Sparrow, did we? No. We didn't, which is interesting. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I have to say, it's it's a nice it's a nice change of pace to not have anything spoiled for me thus far. And uh, it's new for me. Because you have not read these books. Correct. Although I hear they've deviated quite a bit, and we'll talk about that briefly in the listener comments. I don't know if I've heard that, but I believe you. Hmm. Well, we're going to do this as we always do. We're going to go location by location. Um, so... Where are we going to start? Do you want to just start in Bravos since that's where we started the episode? We should start in Bravos. Why don't we do that? So we get to Bravos, and uh, what what happens here in the beginning, Jessica? Uh, Arya's doing some sweeping. She's just sweeping away, sweep, 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 and she's kind of pissed off. She's sick of sweeping. She thought she was going to be an apprentice. What the fuck? Well, apprentices must sweep. I learned that. <laughs> I guess. You know, it reminded me of like a martial arts movie trope. Like yes. they make the young Padawan yes. or the young apprentice or the young whatever the fuck. Young Padawan. Sweep or, you know, do dishes or fold laundry. Wax or, on, wax off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Other menial tasks until they are allowed to uh, actually get into the learning of the martial art in particular because... There are lessons to be learned in sweeping the floor, I guess. The, the best part of this is like after she gets to move on from the lesson of sweeping the floor, and I know I'm getting way ahead to the end of the Aria stuff, then she gets to move on to the lesson of undressing and cleaning dead people. So I feel like she really progressed a lot in this yeah. episode. She's like, damn, I didn't realize the faceless men were just a bunch of morticians. Seriously. And I don't know what's going on, but basically in this opening scene, there's this dude, he drinks some water and then he's just like um, dead. Yeah. And oh, that yeah. seems he's to be common. Dead. Like, don't drink the water. Water? Is, that, is this a lesson? It could be. I don't, I don't understand it. But this temple is interesting because we learn about, you know, one of the things Arya says is, is that we see all the gods here, but not the faceless god, right? Mm -hmm. Which I guess is supposed to be the god of death. 
But I was thinking maybe the faceless God is not represented because he they is, no in face. fact, couldn't be any of them. True. He could masquerade as any of them. But I don't know if that's true or if that's what it's supposed to mean. Or maybe because there's uh, death inherent in their worship. I don't know. I, that's the other thing. Are the faceless men, they seemed, they struck me as a secular group, but I guess not. I guess I they know. have some religious overtones as well because they have a temple. They fucking sweep. They I'm dress sure in that weird they clothes. Like they kill people and steal their like faces. Maybe like, yeah. oh, I can be this dead dude now. Awesome. Right, and maybe that's what it is. Do you think that's what's going on here? I have no idea. I literally have no. I don't even have the faintest clue. Do you have any speculation? Yeah, that they kill people because it helps them change faces. That's I think so too. I think what they're doing is is that when they when somebody dies, they can assume that person's face. Maybe they can't change to somebody's face who's alive. Maybe. But let's think about that. Would that make sense? I don't know. Like, I wonder if Jacom Hagar's face is actually Jacom Hagar's face. Do we know? I think his face is actually Cereal Florel's face in real life. <laughs> You're still holding on to that dream? Yeah, forever. I will. <laughs> Until, like, George R. R. Martin is like, no. He's like, enough of these stupid rumors. All of a sudden, Jock and Hagar is just like, I am not Cereal Florel. <laughs> he just looks directly at the camera. Good day. Breaks the fourth wall. Fuckheads. I am not <laughs> Cereal Florel. I don't know. I like Jock and Hagar better when he was, like, killing people for Arya. Now he's getting kind of weird. weird. He's kind of getting a little uh, weird and, you know, David Koreshi, like they're going to have to storm the compound. Yeah, he's freaking me out a little, like with this little call we got going on. All young girls must derobe in front of me. Yeah, this whole like you are no one thing is real Mm. cult heavy to me. Oh, big time. You are no one. (laughs) Like, I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. There is no I. There's only we. know all about cults. And this sounds just like one. Bunch of creeps. That's weird. So Arya's classmate smacks her around a little. Arya calls her a cunt, you know, relying on the hound's lessons, the hound's tutelage. That girl is a weirdo. I think she's going to be awesome, though. I think she's going to be Arya's pal. Unless Arya has to kill her as part of her final training. Sorry. No, Arya, you must kill your best friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, that girl's weird. She kept beating the crap out of Arya, and Arya was pissed. As she should be. But Jockam Jockam Hagar comes in and says... Arya's not ready for this. And Arya goes, oh, yes, I am. And I do like this moment where he explains like, well, why are you wearing Arya Stark's clothes? And why do you have her sword? If you're no one, how did you come across all of Arya Stark's things? Which again, I mean, it's a cult, clearly. And, you know, she can't have her own shit. So we get the nice scene of her kind of letting go of her worldly possessions, except not all of them. Yeah, that, that you know, the more you say cult, like, you know, I was thinking dress and strange stuff, but then, yeah, getting rid of all your property, right? Yes, I'm telling you. Severing yourself from your identity, it is very cult-like. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which makes me like it a little less. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry to ruin up Bravos and the Faceless Men for you, but... Couldn't they just been a cool bunch of assassins that... I think that they're actually a cool bunch of cultish assassin couple of <laughs> couple of crazies for in that shop but i liked when they went down to those catacombs it was awesome i know i was sitting with mike and we said it both reminded us of skyrim it was cool like down into the catacombs there you guys aren't geeky at all no but yeah it, it was uh it was reminiscent of all that but i i remember one of the things i was shouting at the tv was is damn didn't ned give her that sword and i was yes. very happy about it and i thought to myself I'm going to pull that clip. When Ned gave her the sword? Yep. But guess what? What? I was wrong. 
Who gave the sword? Jon Snow. <gasps> My heart just warms so much. So for those of you who may have forgotten, season one, episode two, The High Road, Jon gives Arya the sword. Let's have a listen. I have something for you. And it has to be packed very carefully. A present? This is no toy. Be careful you don't cut yourself. You're so skinny. So are you. I had the blacksmith make it for you special. I won't hack a man's head off, but it can poke him full of holes if you're quick enough. I can be quick. You'll have to work at it every day. First lesson, sticking with the pointy end. I know which end to use. I'm going to miss you. All the best swords have names, you know. Sansa can keep her own needles. I've got a needle of my own. Aww. That, like, actually made me really emotional listening to that because... It's so sad how far they've come, and it's crazy to hear Arya and John talk to one another. Isn't that crazy? It like it actually like gave me it like made me feel emotional. Like yep. it's they've come so far since that time in such a negative way. So many things have happened in their lives since then. It's like I just wish like they could be reunited. You know what I mean? Right. That's Who crazy. knows? They're both still alive. We oh. might get that day. I was confusing it with when Ned was talking to her in the first season. And telling her he would get somebody to teach her. Yes. Yeah, yeah, me too, because I thought so too. I'm like, no, Ned, we were always saying that we thought Ned gave her the sword. But nope, it was Mr. Jon Snow. So I figured I'd put that in there because, you know, if you're watching this episode and you're watching it week by week and you're not binge watching it, you might forget the emotional impact that this sword has on her life. And you might not, despite the actress's great attempt at eliciting emotion. Which, which she did a great job. I thought so too. And of course the music always helps. Of course. But when you listen to this clip and you go back and you watch that scene again, you go, damn man, that's um, that sword has a lot of meaning to her. It's one of her last earthly ties to everything her that family. she holds sacred. Her, her, her family, her family made that blade. Yeah, that's crazy. A blade that I'm sure she liked to kill her enemies with, the people that killed her family. Yeah, she can't let go of that. And I think that that's important about who she is. Like she says so much that she wants to be nobody and she wants to move on from that part of her life, but she can't. She can't. And I don't know what Arya's going to do. I don't know if Arya's going to become this faceless assassin thing. I don't know. Because I think, I think, I think exactly what you're saying is, is that Arya's ties to being a Stark and in, in loving her family are so strong and I think it's hard for her to abandon all that because the whole reason she went to Bravos to the Faceless Men in the first place was so she could get what the strength that she needed to make the wrong things right in her mind, which of yeah. course is revenge, you could say. Mm-hmm. I would call it justice. But sure. I wonder if she's going to have the strength to do that or if she's so strong mentally that she can maintain a little bit of an inkling of her personality. And when she becomes what she's set out to become, she takes that sword and she goes and does what she needs to do. I don't think, I don't think so. I think that this is them kind of foreshadowing and warning us that she's not going to, she's not going to do it. I don't, I don't think she can. And I did like at first when she, but like at that moment where I'm like, she really has to let go of this. And when she couldn't do it, I'm like, I don't think that she'll ever be able to let go of that. And I, think if she can't she's never going to the be dy- where she needs to be the dynamic is going to change is it not because if sansa does in fact marry ramsey bolton oh i just threw up in my mouth if that happens and a stark is in the north Arya can go home she can go home yeah. in a sense it's not home because it's the fucking boltons but, but it'll I'm always sure, be home, as Littlefinger said. I'm sure Sansa could get Arya there if he needed to. So it never even occurred to me that Arya could end up in Winterfell until the total thing that I was 
too obtuse to 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 admit to 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 catch was Sansa going to Winterfell to be married to the Boltons. It never even oh. occurred to me because of the amount of treachery that happens, you know. And it's funny because the, this this show reminds me of the Game of Thrones board game, which is like me you too. play this game, you guys can betray each other and get mad at each other that which I night do all the time. And then the next game, you're like, all is forgiven. Like that's how the show is. It's like, oh, Ramsey, you know, orchestrated the death of this and that person, but now we're you're gonna just marry your daughter over, and all's forgiven. But you know, everyone deep goes down. On. Some people are just holding out that they are gonna continue to like avenge. They, they and- must. They all must. I, mean, I know when humans. I play the Game of Thrones board game, that's how I go into it. So before the game even starts, you're like, oh, "How can I fuck this person?" I'm actually thinking over? about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We're scheduled to play Saturday, aren't we? Yeah, you better watch out, my nemesis. You know who you are. Um, but yeah, and and that I think that's the whole point of what. Now I'm getting ahead of myself when I'm talking about Sansa. A little it doesn't bigger. matter. But you Just know what talk I mean. About what you want to talk about. This is about revenge avenging their family name and that's what Ari can't let go of is that she wants to do that and Sansa's going into this situation with these people who disgust her because she thinks she might have a chance to do that they all feel the same way except for Jon Snow who they're like hey want to avenge your family and he's like hey nope maybe maybe Sansa's doing it for for vengeance maybe she's doing it because you know Peter did tell her a lot of things and and that'll be an interesting like what is Sansa doesn't strike me as a vengeful person. But, but he we'll flat see. out says, avenge your family. I know, but he also says, you're going to be on the run forever. Where are you going to go? What do you, what's your life going to be? But um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of crazy shit going on. So let's start off our talk of the North with a clip. Oh, all right. Don't you know by now how much I care for you? Say the word and we'll turn the horses around, but listen to me. Listen. You've been running all your life. Terrible things happen to your family and you weep. You sit alone in a darkened room, mourning their fates. You've been a bystander to tragedy from the day they executed your father. Stop being a bystander, do you hear me? Stop running. There's no justice in the world. Not unless we make it. You loved your family. Avenge them. Damn. Sansa sounds pretty emo, the way Littlefinger's describing her, just sitting in a dark room and crying. Holy shit. <laughs> what else is she going to do? Um, this is because this all comes about because they get to Moat Caitlin and Sansa realizes that Littlefinger's marriage proposal wasn't for him. Yeah. It was for her. Yeah. And she basically freaks out since, you know, the Boltons uh, murdered her family in cold blood at the most tragic, horrific thing that's ever happened in Game of Thrones, pretty much. It was Pretty horrific. It broke the internet, essentially. So <laughs> That's true. Uh, I love Littlefinger speech to Sansa. As everyone knows, I love Littlefinger. <laughs> and I like the speech where he's like, don't let people keep deciding things for you. Don't keep running away. Take control. That's a good lesson for her to learn. And it's one that Peter lives by. He is not afraid to take the initiative. Oh, no. And he's not afraid to take action to get things done, which is one of the things that makes his character interesting. He's not reactionary at all. He's purely action-driven. He does things that he thinks need to be done, and he does things that keep people off balance. And it's uh, it's served him very well, and it's a lesson that Sansa really needs to learn if she wants to survive. But when he gets to, when she gets to Winterfell, and then we'll back up and talk about Ramsay and Roose, Mm -hmm. but when she gets to Winterfell, can you imagine the emotional context of walking into old rooms, your old room, your family's old room where your family lived, where this very sword in the beginning of this film, uh, in the beginning of this podcast, 
was given that that happened here right to see her in Winterfell again gave me chills it was yeah, cool it was awesome you know and I love the idea of this old lady sweeping the room yes saying the north remembers welcome home lady Stark and this is something and we'll obviously talk about it again when we talk about the wall but this is this important thing these people in the north do not want to answer to the Boltons nope they want to answer to a Stark We've been hearing that for episodes, which is why Stannis wants to make John a Stark. And this is why Littlefinger wants to bring Sansa to the north because he sees the power that he can have. And he has this conversation with Roos and with Ramsay where he says, the Eerie is mine. Oh, if we join our forces, I mean, we brought down this powerful dynasty once. Let's do it again, right. essentially. Right. So. Yeah. And I love that. And you can see it because in part of this Winterfell stuff here, we have them showing Ramsey's after effects of, fl- of flaying people that don't pay taxes, that don't pay attention, that don't do whatever. I love the idea, like that old lady kind of lifting her head up and saying what she said mm-hmm. isn't just I salute you, lady. It's we didn't forget what happened to you. We remember. Yes. Don't you worry is what she's saying. The subtext here is we have your back. Exactly. And that's what I fucking love about this. This reminds me of like, this is crazy, man. Like I just imagine when things get to a head that all these people just fucking take Roos and Ramsey out with daggers like yeah. fucking Caesar. You know what I'm saying? They just rise up. But and you're they right. Get rid of these people. That's something that could happen. And, and that's exactly what that is. That's like you said, it's code. She's saying, welcome home. We remember. Mm-hmm. And you saw last week, they're getting Raven saying like the only king that we'll fight for is Stark. And right. there's, there's something about that name. And no matter who Sansa's married to, no matter what the situation is, Sansa's going to have all the power. No one's going to fight for Ramsay or Roos. You know, it's funny that you say that. That's a great point. Is And even Littlefinger, Littlefinger's so confident in that that he says there's going to be a Stark in the North. And it doesn't matter that it's a woman, right? No, it doesn't. Which is so cool. At that's all. what's so cool about it because typically it's... A male. That's what you're most worried about in this area. But because the name, like you said, has such weight behind it, that just her returning home, Ned's daughter. Yes, that if it would have been Ned's bastard son, it would have been the same thing. Right. That that name means more than... Like, forget Baratheon and her. If you go to the North, that word is gold. Like... The Stark name is so important. This is going to put Littlefinger in this great position he wants to be in where he has power in the North because Sansa will have the power in the North. And at the end of the day, when Sansa's married to a Bolton and they're in power, he's not in power. She is. Mm-hmm. Period. No one's going to go against her. Right. Right. And t- this talk continues while, while it prece- preceding this talk is Ramsey, is Roos trying to coach Ramsey by saying, what are you doing? You can't just flay people. And he has a discussion about the North, and I think it's pretty goddamn important. Have a listen. We don't have enough men to hold the North if the other houses rise up against us. Do you understand that? Our pact with the Lannisters protects us. I had a pact with Tywin Lannister, and Tywin Lannister is dead. The remaining Lannisters are a thousand miles away dealing with that fact. They have never once in the history of the Seven Kingdoms sent their army this far north. If you think they will for us, you're a fool. We become a great house by entering into alliances with other houses and parlaying those alliances into greater power. The best way to forge a lasting alliance isn't by peeling a man's skin off. The best way is marriage. Wow. 
so at this point I'm like, holy fuck, they're gonna marry this guy to a Stark. And then I'm like, holy fuck, it's gonna be Sansa. <laughs> this no. mini state of the union that Roos is spewing out of his incredibly powerful and strong voice. <laughs> yeah, Dean was really into it. He's a fucking no wonder they recast this guy. But he he so several seasons ago. But he um basically what he's saying is we don't have a powerful house. We kowtow to other houses. We do things for them. We gain favor. And then we negotiate with that favor to elevate our position. Our friend, Tywin Lannister, the guy that we, with the help of Walder Frey... Got the North, essentially. ...pulled off the Red Wedding, is dead. Walder Frey ain't going anywhere. They call him the late Walder Frey because of his in because of his lack of commitment to battle. He doesn't show up to battles. Of course he doesn't. Have you seen him? He doesn't He doesn't send his army. He doesn't send his host. He doesn't do any of that shit. He just chills. Because he has all his fat wives. <laughs> What's interesting to me about this scene and how it's important to the whole scheme of things is where he says, if the North wants to revolt against them at Winterfell, they'll win. Yes. Little does fucking Roose Bolton know that in a fortnight, Stance Baratheon's coming to get him. Holy shitballs. And you know what? Maybe the North will join with him for that shit. I don't know. But if we have Ramsay married to Sansa, are they going to stay with them? Are we going to have the North versus Stannis? Yes. Sansa versus Stannis, essentially. Yes. Is that what's going to happen? Yes. Is Jon Snow going to be with Stannis? No, because he's the Lord Commander. He's already made that clear, and we'll talk about that. But- one thing to note, people at home, and you guys are smart, most likely, but the most North, likely. when they say the North, it's not just the Starks. There's a bunch of other houses out there that you don't see in the show. And they are all bannermen to, to House Stark, or they were. And they'd raise their banners, they'd fight for them, blah, 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 blah. But because there essentially was no war for the North, the North was essentially won via treachery and assassination, that all these other houses are now rebelling or at least considering it, not paying taxes, not right. bending the knee to Roos Bolton. And that's a fucking problem for Roos. Ruling the North is not going to be just, oh, ho-hum, I'm standing up mm-hmm. here on the field with my newly anointed Bolton son and saying, look at the North, son, it's fucking brilliant. Like the Lion King? Yeah, not going to happen. this will be yours one day, Simba. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and not... So he's got some problems. Uh, yeah. Number two, the marriage of Sansa to Roos Bolton better happen fast. Uh, yeah. Because Stannis is on the move very soon, right? Yeah, a fortnight. That's what he said. That means two weeks last I checked. It does. And here's the thing, though. You got scouts, you got lookouts, you got guys out there. It's not like they're just going to show up at Winterfell. Surprise! They're going to know ahead (laughs) of time that these guys are coming. So if once that happens, they're going to expedite that marriage fairly quickly. Oh, yeah, for sure. The problem is this. Here's what's going to happen. If I'm going to predict, here's my prediction. If they do get married and Stannis does arrive, Stannis is still going to say to them, he's going to say, bend the knee to the one true king because I have right to be the king of Westeros. It is my birthright. It is my birthright because I am that I'm I'm next in line after Robert Baratheon, and Robert Baratheon was the one true king. Now I am. So yes. if Ramsay, if Roos doesn't bend the knee to to to, to Stannis, which he might, because yeah. he already made it clear that they they if Tywin's dead and Stannis shows up, he might. But I don't know if I don't know at this point if if 
he must be considered a bastard. It, Stannis is out for blood, I guess is what I'm trying to say. He's going to there to kill the Boltons. That's the point. Uh, yeah. I think if a Stark is married to one of them, I could see Stannis trying to give her clemency, trying to help her, trying to... Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. He's not going to kill her. But De- I don't think this not. marriage is going to stop Stannis from going after Winterfell. I don't think so either. I don't but think I so think either. But I think that Roose thinks this marriage will help him as far as the North being on his side. Right. I think he thinks... I think they've grossly miscalculated their hold on the North and it's going to cost them severely. Uh, Yeah. And I can't wait. It'll be amazing. So talk to me a little bit more about what's going on here. Anything else we want to wrap up here with the North? I just want to mention that we do see Theon, um, Mm. who looks like a fucking mess, makes me depressed every time it shows him. I like hate it. But there's something interesting of one, he sees like the flayed bodies and he's bothered by it, like really bothered by it. And when he sees Sansa, he's afraid of Sansa seeing him because he knows he betrayed her. And this to me is different than his reaction to things that have happened before. It's more emotional to me. I think it's very important that you point this out because back when we were talking about Bravos and eliminating your identity so you can be a faceless man and losing who you are, that's exactly what was done with, with, with Greyjoy, with Theon. Yeah. They've essentially stripped him quite literally and figuratively down. And now he is this loyal, seemingly loyal subject because of the shit he's been through. He wouldn't even retreat with his own sister to go home. And I think that this is important, the difference of his reaction with Sansa. Because you have to remember, he was raised like he was a Stark. That's his real family. And I think that's why we're seeing this emotional reaction now that we did not see with his actual family. I like your style. And I think that there is going to be a change with Theon. I, I hope, I hope, because I can't like watch him like this for much longer. And, and I really think that that says something with the Starks. And, and I really, I mean, I think, I think it's really going to be something. It's going to matter. That would go with the theme of the, of the whole episode as far as the Starks are concerned, right? Yeah. This, this powerful family that people still still are loyal to, despite the fact that Ned died many, many moons ago. Yes. And, you know, that's a great point. That was his real family. He was... He betrayed them, too, and he feels guilty, and you saw that. He did betray them. He was... He had a lot of pressure on him from Balon Greyjoy. Mm -hmm. His father really pushed him to that, and I'm not saying it absolves him. No, it doesn't. But he did terrible things, but now he's in this position to where he's just this thing, and... I could see some kind of noble sacrifice in his future. I could too. We have not seen since Ramsay pretended to let him go and then kidnapped him again. Like we and have, then the attack on the dread fort where he refused to leave. Yeah, we have not seen emotion out of Theon. Just fear, just mostly. fear, and this undying loyalty to to Ramsay and this loss of identity. But that's not what it was like when he saw Sansa. When he saw Sansa, he was emotional. He felt guilty because he remembered what he had done to her. He didn't want her to see him. This is completely different from the guy who saw his sister and was like, I don't know you. And we should really make a distinction here between loyalty and fear. I mean, loyalty through fear, sure. Yeah. But that's not going to last forever, especially if you... The only reason the only reason loyalty through fear works is because the person that you fear has control over your over your life and body. Once they don't, that fear starts to go away. Once you're like, well, what if I go here or what if this person offers me clemency? If what if I then when you see a way out, 
fear, that loyalty evaporates rather quickly. I don't know how quickly. I I think when someone's in a situation like this, it's a little bit harder. Right, because they've been, You've been sub- brainwashed, mentally essentially. subjugated. It's sure. like being in a cult. Right. Oh my God, cults all over the place today. <laughs> Love it. A cult of one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Ramsey Snow slash Bolton cult. But, um, but yeah, you're right, because he's been so, so beaten down. For sure. But like you said, that's a great point about the family connection there and what that might mean because Sansa was his sister at one time. Really? Yeah. He was raised as a Stark in a sense. Exactly. And treated with all the kindness, even though they knew he would never be a Stark, blah, blah, blah. But still. Yeah. I mean, that means something. It's good stuff. So where to? Do you want to just do Bran and Podrick since they're following Sansa? So they're kind of in the same general vicinity. We might as well knock them out. Yeah, I do like that scene, actually. I'm, I know. I'm, I'm glad I got something out of these guys this week. Me too, because they are pretty much boring, typically. Nobody wants to dance with old mule face. You know what, though? I love um, when we talk about Renly, because I thought Renly was really adorable, and I wanted him to be king and stuff. And also, I love when we talk about the vagina smoke monster, because pretty much it's all we've talked about, like three episodes into the season. Basically, by week, it's been brought up, and I'm glad, because I don't ever want to forget that smoke monster that looked like Stannis. Don't you worry. Brienne will never forget about yeah, it either. no shit, Brienne. But this was cute. They were sharing their stories. Podrick saying how he became Tyrion's squire and Brienne saying how she became Kingsguard to Renly, essentially right. so loyal to him. And I still think Brienne was obviously in love with Renly. But um, yeah, she has a nice little speech. It's a good little story. It's sad, kind of, you know. It is. It is. She extends this kindness to Podrick of saying, do you want to be a knight? She's like, I can't knight you, but I can teach you everything you need to know. That I thought was, that was sweet. Yeah. She delivers this so well. She sees the, the way she sits there and recounts this tale, the way she talks about the way she was so happy. Smiling at her dad and her dad smiling at her. And, and I think that's what it comes down to. Making her dad so happy. Yeah. Feeling so like she's worth something. Because Bria never wanted to be the girl at the ball to get married. That's just not her. You know what I mean? Right. But she wanted to be loved and you know, cared for, have attention paid to her. And you don't think she wanted to be the girl at the ball? I don't know. I just, I, I mean, looking at her now, it's hard to imagine that, but maybe when she was a girl, I don't know. I think of her as being somewhat like Aria when she was younger. Yeah, maybe. That's why I thought her and Aria were going to have a road show, but I was so, so wrong. Nope. <laughs> she threw the, uh, she threw Aria's buddy down a mountain cliff. Yeah, it wasn't really very nice. But I do like, uh, I do how, like how Renly was just showed her some kindness and, I don't know. It was it was a nice story and it was nice. Uh, it's it's a good piece of exposition to get us to realize that she's gunning for Stans, uh, for Stannis. Oh, yeah. Which is crazy. What is she going to do? How is she going to kill Stannis? I don't know, but he's not a smoke monster, so he's can be killed. And so she's That's her point. thumbs up about that shit. She's right, though, because Stannis did create that smoke monster. So but she, she is doesn't know trail. that. That's the thing I don't know. Like, it looked like Stannis's face. Great. Well, that could have been one of Stannis's enemies. Like, what are you going to do? How are you ever going to? Well, don't think that way. She saw Stannis's face killing Renly, and that is all she'll ever remember. Mm. Luckily, she's right. I know. It'd be cool if it was different, right? It'd be cool if it was like a weird tragedy. She was gunning for the wrong guy. She like killed Stannis and Stannis was like, no, I loved Renly. And like Tywin Lannister laughs in the grave. (laughs) I sent that shadow vagina monster. Nice. It was me. Stannis on the hit list. But yeah, that's all. But it was nice. It was nice. It was nice to see like, oh, okay. She's got this kind of thing going on. 
she's still apparently going to follow Sansa around. It would be great if if somehow Brienne could get involved with Sansa's life and protect her. Yeah, but Littlefinger says, oh, too much Lannister fucking gold on your person. Right. Young, young well, he'll woman. be at the Eerie soon, so who knows? He's not going to leave Sansa there. Absolutely he is. Aww. He's absolutely, I hate to break your heart. He's going back. He's going home. He's going to the Eerie. He's not going to stick around Winterfell, I don't think. I don't know. What's he going to do there? Hang be out. master of coin of Winterfell? No, he's just going to hang out and shit. Hang out and say cool Start a lines. brothel, probably. Murder kings. Yeah, I think that's probably what he's going to do if I had to make a guess. <laughs> Someone's going to kill Roos and Ramsay. Like, that seems like a job for Littlefinger. It's possible. I don't know. So what I got to say about that. Where to now, my friend? Uh, do you want to just go to the walls since we're talking about Stannis? We might as well go to the wall since we're talking about Stannis. Yeah, I figure you might as well segue. Stannis, smoke monster, to real Stannis goes to meet with Jon Snow in the flesh. He certainly does. And Jon Snow looks cool. He's in his Lord Commander seat. He's got his new leather jacket on. It's all smiling and shit. Jon Snow has really stepped up his game this season. Kit Harington? A hundred percent. And the character. Yeah, and the character. He's so much more interesting. Now that he has agency, he's got shit going on. He's just not like this little bitch at the wall crying all the time. He's actually doing shit, making decisions, uh, looking more and more like his father all the time. Uh, especially in if that episode. is in fact his father. Internet rumors abound. Oh, I know this is a <laughs> big problem. But um, I like Stannis. I like how Stannis shows respect for the position. He's the Lord Commander, so he's like, "You do what you will with these wildlings. You decide. It's up to you." Yeah, which is cool. Are you going to join me or not? Um, when John says no, he says, "You're as stubborn as your father and as honorable." And John's all like, "Oh, thanks, dude." And he's like, "Yeah, that wasn't a compliment. That's what got your dad killed." So. Relax, Jon Snow. Right. Which was funny coming from Stannis. But I guess sending a vagina smoke monster to kill your brother is not very honorable, is it? Mm-mm. Hmm. I wonder if he would have agreed if he knew this vagina smoke monster was going to have his face. Yeah, I feel like she probably did not share that information with him before she birthed that thing out. Not a sighting of her. Where was she, by the way? Probably um, making a freaking glory hole into Jon Snow's room so she can spy <laughs> on him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> John, just stick it through this hole. I'll take care of you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's not a virgin, so she's she's all set. She's ready. She's whipping up her potions, getting her master bedchamber ready. Oh, my God. Getting her fucking Enigma CDs out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Melisandre. <laughs> I don't even know. But Stannis, not the best... Not the most charismatic man in the world. That's working against him. No, he gives um, John some advice, though. He says, you should send Alistair Thorne away because he hates you. And John says, well, shouldn't I keep my enemies close? And he goes, yeah, whoever said that doesn't have any real enemies. (laughs) And I thought that was pretty funny. But Davos takes over. Have a listen. How does the Night's Watchfell go again? I bet you've got it memorized since you got here. Night gathers and now my watch begins. No, not that bit. The bit at the end. I am the sword in the darkness, the watcher on the walls, the shield that guards the realms of men. I pledge my Wait, life. Wait, that's enough. The shield that guards the realms of men. That's what you swore to be. Now, I'm not a learned man, but the best way to help the most people might not be sitting in a frozen castle at the edge of the world. It just might mean wading in the muck, getting your boots dirty, and doing what needs to be done. And what needs to be done? As long as the Boltons rule the north. The North will suffer. Just one man's opinion. Boom. You don't think that that had any impact on John as far as what he might eventually do? It absolutely did. But you still think he's not going to help at all in the North? I don't know. 
think that was a pretty good speech. I don't think we're going to erupt into battle just yet because there's a marriage on the horizon. Between uh, Sansa and Ramsay? Right. I don't see John taking his army and charging off with Stannis. I just don't see it happening. What do you think is going to happen when he finds out Sansa is married to Ramsay? I don't know. I don't know. I think he's going to freaking smash it and be so mad. And Sam's going to be like, John, no! Is that what Sam talks no. like? No. Is he, in, is he in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> no, Mr. Frodo, no. Sorry, I think you're getting your sidekick Sam's confused. Sam kind of fat, lovable. Yeah. Easily confused, right? One's got hairy feet. One's got a hairy face. It's a little different. No. <laughs> you sound so weird when you do that. It really freaks me out. Mr. Frodo, no. I'm going to have nightmares about that shit. Um... What if, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, but we've got quite the mess in Westeros. Uh, yeah. It's a goddamn mess. I know. What do you think is going to happen? I don't, I don't know. I already said I don't know. I already gave my, my guesses with some things. He's going to smash it and Sam's <laughs> going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't imagine him hearing that Sansa is married to a Bolton and not want to do something. Like, I'd be like, no, my sacred vow. I think they're setting Sam up to start to take on a leadership role. I hope so. I want him it's to do something. It's kind of cool. Like, he is doing stuff. He's been doing a ton of shit. Yeah, he made those good jokes in the last episode. <laughs> and in this one, he's like, quiet, right? He's fucking snapping people down. Yeah, and he says that Master Eamon isn't feeling well, which is concerning Ooh. to me. I'm worried about that old blind man. Mm. What if something happens to him? I don't know if it really matters, to be honest with you. Well, then why did they tell us he wasn't feeling well? I don't know. Just saying. I guess he can't be the, the latrine captain. <laughs> Not a job for Master Amen. <laughs> Apparently a job for the ginger, though. Yeah, that was funny. When they need a latrine captain, my favorite thing is as John's talking about it, like Alistair Thorne really thinks it's going to be him. <laughs> I you know, can see the horror on his face. And then John puts his buddy, the ginger, in charge. And they all laugh. And it's so funny and awesome. Right. And Alistair's like, thank God. God. And he makes him first ranger. That was a classy move. Super classy. Loved it. Think he got some respect there from Alistair? A little bit. Well, Alistair doesn't protect Janos. He stands up at first and then he steps away and they take Janos away. Because he's not stupid. He doesn't want to be decapitated. I think that meant something. It was a deliberate, I'm stepping aside because... You're the boss. You're the boss. Young man. Despite the fact that I could be your father. Can I tell you how happy I am that Janos is dead? Not quite the way I wanted it to go down. How did you want it to go down? That was pretty awesome. I wanted him and Marin Tran to fight to the death oh, yeah, and then Bronn to kill the winner. Yeah, I know you've said that before. That's true. Yeah, but the thing is, is that I really liked this thing. I basically liked everything about it. One, because Janos is such an asshole. He's so full of it, and too. And then he backtracks so fucking fast when he realizes John's not joking. It's just... He's so despicable and he's such a little wuss. It was the classic coward move. He thought if I was loud and blustery, he thought John was playing the game. And then when he realized John wasn't, he reverted to his cowardice ways. He's trying to call his bluff. I got this clip here that I've mashed up together. The many faces of Janos. Have a listen. I will not go meekly off to freeze and die. I was wrong. Give it to one of the fools who cast a stone for you. You the Lord command. I will not have it. Did you hear me, boy? I will not have it. We all serve you. I'm sorry. Not only for this, for all I've done and said. You can stick your order up your bastard ass. My lord, please, mercy. No mercy for you, sir. I just love that he's like, I'm afraid. I've always been afraid. Yep. Which is true about him. 
That's good that they completed his arc. Once he admitted that, they just chopped his head off. And and you know what? John couldn't do anything else. He had to show that he was a leader and in charge and that you had to follow his word. He was kind of in a situation almost like Danny was in last week. Right. That's a good point. But obviously the results were very different because of the circumstances surrounding it. But Danny felt like she had to make this power move that she maybe didn't necessarily have to make. Right. And John did. Right. If John had just let him go, he would have been in a worse position, I feel, because people would have said, like, okay, we don't need to take him seriously. Yeah. And my favorite part... Danny was in a harder position, I think, but yeah. Yeah, but I'm just saying... It's similar, for sure. She might not have made the right decision, but it's the same thing. It's like being in a position of power and wanting people to understand that your word is the law, essentially. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Um... I love that after like John decapitates him with his own sword, does it himself, just like Ned Stark taught him. Stan is like, <laughs> gives him the nod, like, nice job, kid. <laughs> high five. They're doing air high fives like John and Stannis across the. Stannis never misses a good fucking execution, huh? Stan, and like when we were watching the episode, and like Dean's like, oh, Stannis is probably like, if only he burned him alive, <laughs> this would have been the best. I'm at half mass now. We're burning, and I would have been fully erect. For sure. R.I.P. Janos, except not really, because I don't like you. No, he's a bastard. Not literally. The wall is complete. Let us move on then to King's Landing. Let us move on. Where there is a wedding that had no death. What's up with that? (laughs) A happy wedding between a cute little couple. Boy, this was crazy, huh? Um, I just can be honest that Tommen is the most adorable boy I have ever seen in my life. I want to pinch his cheeks and hug him. I think he is super cute. Well... I don't know what else to say. He's adorable. He is pretty adorable. Because he's so naive. I love how Marjorie manipulates Tommen oh, to get him to consider maybe his yeah. mother should leave. She I totally love it. She totally walks him into that, which is it's it's brilliant. Have a listen. It's so wonderful to have her watching over you. A lioness guarding her cub. Well, I'm a man now. But you'll always be her baby boy. I suppose. She'll never let you out of her sight. <laughs> She's so good at the way she says these lines. She'll never let you out of your sight. She'll be watching you constantly. Everything Marjorie says in this episode is beautiful to me. She's so good. She is so like backhandedly nasty to Cersei in like the most pleasant, sweet way. Uh, she she talks to Tommen. She wants Tommen to know that he's a man and he's a king. He doesn't need his mom. And if he wants to have sex with her like 3,000 times, okay, like she'll do it. Mm-hmm. She's she'll take one for the team. They had great chemistry, Tom and Marjorie. They it were, was it was it was nice. It was well a well shot scene. I like that a lot. They did a great great job. But let's let's discuss something. How many Lannisters have slept with other Lannisters, and how many Lannisters have slept with people that weren't Lannisters? I'm going to help you. Tommen has slept with a non Lannister. Mm-hmm. Tyrion. And mm-hmm. Tywin, because he slept with Shay. And Tywin probably also slept with like his wife, who I guess became. That doesn't count. We didn't see it. Oh, that we've actually seen. Mm-hmm. Cersei and Lancel slept together. Ew. So that's two right there. Two Lannisters banging one another. And Jamie. So it's a tie. So it's basically like 50 50. just bangs everybody. For, in. Yeah, for each Lannister that sleeps with somebody that's a non Lannister, Cersei sleeps with another Lannister. But like Cersei also <laughs> must have slept with Robert Baratheon. Ah, uh, true. So sorry. Damn, close. So she spans the gap there. Yeah, Cersei takes care of that shit. She's like, hey, I slept with a non Lannister and a bunch of Lannisters. <laughs> Check me out. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. Um, where are we going to go? Oh, Cersei goes to, is when Cersei talks to Tom and about Marjorie and Tom is basically like, yeah, how 
about you move to Casterly Rock? Just, <laughs> I was just thinking that that might be a good idea. Dude. It just came to me <laughs> when I was banging my new wife. Observing this scene is so funny because he has no guile. Not at all. And he's messing with the master. She's like, why? Why this talk? Of course she knows why. She oh, yeah. doesn't need to ask. But I think she was kind of testing his loyalty. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need to ask. She knows why. She wanted to see what he said. And he's like, I just want you to be happy, mother. Which she believes somewhat. But, and he does, though, too. That's he does, the though, thing too. about Tom, and that's why he's so adorable, is he actually thinks that Cersei would be happier at Castle Rock. It would be better for him because he could be a man for his woman, Marjorie. And he thinks he's doing a good, like, he doesn't think he's being like, I'm getting rid of this bitch. He actually thinks he's being nice. Right. And that's why he's so, such a perfect person to manipulate. Because you can play to his actual emotions and people are going to have trouble questioning if that was his idea or someone else's. Exactly. That's what makes him so interesting. And let's have a listen to uh, when the, when Cersei goes to visit the new queen. Oh boy. Can we bring you anything to eat or drink? I wish we had some wine for you. It's a bit early in the day for us. No, no, I I can't stay. I just wanted to let you know if there's ever anything I can do for you. You are very sweet. I'll leave you to it then. Oh, forgive me. I haven't been at court for long. I get so confused. What's the proper way to address you now? Queen Mother or Dowager Queen? There's no need for such formalities. Dowager Queen. Dowager, like dowry. Like widow of a king. Yeah. Wow. So listen. This is beautiful. I love every single word that comes out of Marjorie's mouth in this. I'm sorry, I do. Marjorie's kept her mouth fucking shut all this time and played nice, nice girl. And now she's finally in this position of power. And she can be like, hey, you, that fucking hated my guts and was a bitch to me. Let me backhandedly, you know, say things to you that no one can perceive as mean, but you know I'm being an asshole. The, the wine... I love it when she says, I wish we had wine for you. It's a little early for us. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love it. So, listen, it's hard to defend Cersei. No shit. It's hard to defend Cersei based on the way she overtly threatened Marjorie. Uh, yeah. No question. And also called her a whore, which is not very nice. No question, right? She did, I believe. Didn't she? Uh, yeah. What did she call her again? I don't remember. Smirking whore from Highgarden. That, that sounds it. about right. Yeah. So, but here's what I will say about Cersei. She's, she is either brilliant or looking at a new path. I think she's brilliant. I really got to give it to Cersei. I don't know what she's planning, but I think she's planning. And I think she held her tongue very well with Marjorie. And she did not want to. And she did it. It wasn't because Marjorie got the better of her. It's because Cersei was holding her tongue and Cersei wants Marjorie to think that she got the better of her. I don't know what's going on here. Could it be, could it be that Cersei is like, well, Tommen's happy. How bad are the Tyrells? Are they treacherous and evil? Why do I want to butt in on this? What's going on? What, what purpose does Cersei still serve? What is she going to do? She sent Jamie away. Tywin's dead. Kevin's pissed and went back to Castle Rock. Lancel's in a cult. What is she going to do? She has nothing. She has nobody except Meryn fucking Trant. What's her plan? What is she going to have Marjorie killed and be the queen? I mean, Cersei's not getting any younger. She's not going to marry anybody. What is her next move? What is she going to do with herself? Go fucking to the end of the earth hoping she can find Tyrion and get revenge? I don't know what her next plan is. But I 100% think she has one, and I don't think she has any intention at all, even a little, 
of bowing down to the Tyrells and just it being like, okay, I'll accept them into my life. 0.0% chance of that. Do you think she'll marry Loris? No. Which means what? She leaves. She was going to leave if she married Loris. Yeah, but where's she going to go? She's going to stay in King's Landing. That's her plan. If she married Laura, she'd have to go to Highgarden. Mm. That was the whole big thing where Laura's like, oh, sucks for you, Marjorie. Cersei's not going to leave. Cersei's like, yeah, that's what you think. Here's why I think you're right. Because it would be a very undramatic end to a character arc for her to just be like, changes her fucking ways. We are only just scratching the surface of Cersei Lannister. The fact that this season opened on a flashback of her. It's a great point. Should tell you that we're not even close to seeing the big picture with her. And this shit with the sparrows or whatever the hell crazy shit she's doing. I don't know what the fuck she's doing, but I know it's going to be big. And why do it? I don't know. You're going to have to ask Cersei. But that's what I said. What's going on? Is she, is she, is she, is she making, what, why, why an interest in this religious angle? Why religious in what this high Septon's doing? Who's banging chicks in little fingers playhouse, which is hilarious by the way. Um, why take an interest in this Jesus-like character who's like, oh, I tell them they're not important, and now they tell me I'm important, this high sparrow cat. Uh, why, what does she think she's doing here? It's it's interesting to me, and I can't wait to find out I have out no idea, um, but she knows what she's doing. She, this, this is some grand plan. Yeah. I believe that about her. I think so, too. And I don't think she's just going to quietly slink away. Mm-mm. It's not her style. No way. But she doesn't have many friends, and that must be this high septon angle, right? Maybe. I guess we're answering my own question. Who else does she have to turn to that has any kind of influence and power? Frankenstein. Yeah, but... He doesn't have any influence and power. Nobody likes him. He's just a straight murderer. Yeah, she's she's starting to fall in with these people, the the fucking dregs of society, as it were. Kyburn, who's not respected yeah, by the other than myself. That's what I call him. Uh, the fucking these religious cult people who are who are not looked upon favorably. She's starting to try to grasp for allies. Yeah, she threw the high septon in jail to make good with these religious crazies. Right. Which, by the way, I just want to point out the conversation that was taking place um, during the scene. Bunch of naked women. I said, I don't get it. Like, why do we see all these naked full frontal women? When am I going to get a naked full frontal dude? And then we see the high septon walking out naked. I'm like, not now, <laughs> not now. This isn't what I meant. And I was scared, but no, still no full, full frontal on the men. Thankfully in this episode, there was no Dario. So yeah, sorry. You didn't want to see um, the high septon's pillar and stones. No, I was all set with that. And I don't think anybody in the town wanted to see it. And I feel sad for <laughs> yes, them. Yes, I love the part where, she, where the guy's like, who are we going to worship today? <laughs> He's like, that'll cost extra. And there's that girl with like the, that was so weird. Oh my God, what a weird creepo. Like, hey, he's not a creep. He's, he's just under some, you know, he's under some different shit. It was just so weird. The Don't girl judge. with the hair in her face, that freaked me out. It makes me think of the ring and it like scares me. I don't like to see people with hair in their face like that. Ooh. <laughs> I'll just come through my TV and murder me. <laughs> right. Scared. Seven days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck that. But um, the High Sparrow was cool. I liked him. Yeah. Um, Good casting. He struck me as somebody who would be a cult leader. And you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to follow this cool old dude. And then he like brainwashes you and you're in a cult, just like basically everybody else in this episode. Yeah, but I don't think so. Unless he's super clever. I think these people just follow him because he said, I tell them they're not special. And for some reason, they think I am. He seemed really genuine to me. I don't know if he's got ulterior motives. I guess we'll see. No, maybe not. But it definitely still seems like a cult to me. This struck me as very much like a, like it could possibly be like a Christian metaphor, like 
all these all th- this whole Christianity washes over the Roman Empire and people just start putting their swords down. They're like, we're not fighting anymore. We're gonna we're all into Jesus, you know. And then they're like, fuck it, string this guy up. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going on here. I, and and I can only assume that Cersei's here to yeah. You look my Emma. My, my massively strong uh, religious research I have going yeah, on Yeah, you here. definitely seem like you took some theology classes yeah. in the past for sure. Super, super did. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It's it's um, I think it's just Cersei grasping at allies. Maybe. And one of her allies is doing some crazy shit. Who's that? His name is Kyburn, but I call him Frankenstein. Um, And he's like killing mice and shit. And he's working on what I would like to call the Franken Mountain. <laughs> or perhaps Frankenstein's mountain instead of Franken Mountain is perfect. Yeah, although that's actually incorrect based on what actually happens in like the real book Frankenstein, but that's fine. Nobody cares about my literary knowledge. No. So, anyways, the Franken Mary Mountain. Mary Shelley's not going to call and yell at you. That would be cool if she did, <laughs> and kind of scary. So, anyway, um, very exciting when the mountain moves. Which what we assume, fuck? right? That's the mountain under that that blanket. Yeah, you see the size of his foot? That's pretty crazy. I don't know what he's doing to the mountain, but when the mountain wakes up, I'm pretty sure some crazy shit's going to happen. Yeah. And Cersei's going to be like, great, mountain, just crush everybody. Bye. And she takes over. Who knows what's going to go on that? Yeah, that's nuts. A lot of weird shit going on in King's Landing. Weird, weird shit. Yeah, so the the, the Marjorie and the Cersei dynamics were interesting. The the high Septon stuff, I don't know much about. That Sparrow stuff. kind of weird. I like that dude, though. He seemed cool. I would, like, follow him into a religious cult. The, the highlight of the show was the wall and, of course, the 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 Boltons and stuff like that. That was the best part to me. Yeah, King's Landing is, you know, taking a little dip because there's no more Tyrion, no more Jamie. No more anybody. Just Cersei. But I do like that Marjorie-Cersei rivalry. Me too. I love Marjorie. I know you do. She's awesome. She is pretty awesome. And it was nice to see her get her day after taking Cersei's shit for so long. I just hope that like Sir Pounce is okay with like this new wedding arrangement. Because I've been thinking about him. Awesome. <laughs> Where do we, what do you want to do now? All we have left is the Tyrion and Varys show on the road in Volantis. What about Marine? I think uh, Marine in here? Yeah, I think so. I think Daenerys had some new pants. (laughs) She's wearing some new pants with her ass hanging out. Everyone wants to fuck a queen. Let me tell you, that was great. Because like, not that for a second I was ever like, holy shit, there's like Danny and like assless chaps. But like (laughs) the dress and the hair was perfect. Like it it, it looked just like, you know, if you were to wear an assless Halloween costume of Danny, like that's what you would wear. That's the one. I think if you look up on Amazon, it says assless Daenerys Halloween costume. It's that one. Yeah, well. With a wig, just in case you need that. If anybody is looking for any Halloween costumes, I know it's a ways away, but the way to go. So he finally decides to get out of the goddamn box. Yeah, Tyrion's going crazy. And he says he's going to be helpful to nobody when he goes insane. Right. And he can't look at Varys' face anymore. And Varys is like, but it's such a nice face. And we get that really creepy moment where that girl just sort of looks at him when he's talking about the mother of dragons. He makes an offhanded joke. We see how far her influence is out here. Like these people worship her out here. Yeah, which is cool. And Tyrion was like really excited. He's like, oh, we're going to meet the savior. If you would have told me that, then. Right. Tyrion's so funny. And, and so then she just has this real dramatic look up at him. Like, I'm a creep show. Yeah, like, I know who you are. It's crazy. Better tell Jorah Mormont. Yeah. So Jorah snatches up Mr. Tyrion. But before that, they go into the brothel and they're drinking and Tyrion talks to this really adorable girl. Yes. Who I liked because like 
Tyrion says she's the mind of a skeptic or whatever. And, you know, she says things like they all want to fuck a queen. And Tyrion says that's because they've never met a queen. And he has a lot of great lines. And she says she's going to sleep with him. And he hesitates. And, like, we're watching. We're like, what the fuck's going on? Is this chick, like, pregnant? Like, what's she doing? I don't understand. Because the way he's looking at her midsection and the way the, that, like, dress fell and it was in the foreground and kind of blurry. And I was like, what's going on here? Is, like, Tyrion going to become celibate now because he, like, killed Shay? Like, I don't know. Like, it was just so weird to me. And that's the only thing I can come up with is that he he can't sleep with her because he's thinking about how he, like, you know, murdered his last, like, love. Is that what it was? It must have been a residual guilt from that. Because it was just weird. It was really weird to me. I don't know. That was weird. Hmm. I, do like, I do like his little dialogue with her, though. It was really awesome. Tyrion's got the best dialogue. He says the best stuff. And that's why I like him with Varys because Varys also says awesome stuff. So when they talk to each other, it's really amazing. But it's really funny. He's just a funny character. The I best line, the best line in this moment was when they're in the whorehouse, <laughs> and uh, Varys and him are together, and Tyrion looks over at this table of people like pawing at the Daenerys chick. Yeah, and he's like, "You're not the only one who supports the queen." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so fucking funny, man. He's so good. I love Tyrion. Yeah, it was nice. But he's taking a very precarious piss, by the way, sitting yeah, on the edge of that fucking not wall. Play, I wouldn't even lean over that wall because I'm so scared of heights, so <laughs> let alone piss off it. Just going to be honest. It'd also be harder for you than him. Yeah, I'd have to squat and stuff. It'd be really awkward. Yeah, and that would be that would be tough. Unless Jorah saved me by grabbing me and wrapping me up in rope and taking Why me off somewhere. Why are you pissing off the wall? Um, I'm glad Jorah's back. I just want to say that I took a quiz online to see who my Game of Thrones husband is, and it told me Jorah. <laughs> so I'll I'll post that on uh, Twitter if anybody I wonder cares. Who my Game of throne's husband would be you should look into it i think it was because they're like which celebrity would you date of all these celebrities and most of them were like young and i was like yeah and so then i pick richard gear because he's older and handsome and they're mm. like i guess you can marry jorah there you go also i think i said i would support danny in like the battle for like the iron throne mm. they were like we got a guy for you so anyway since i know jorah is now my future game of thrones husband i was super excited to see him again but he snatched up your man but now they're going to be together i just think it was interesting because the immediate he says i'm taking you to the queen we know cersei has a bounty on Tyrion's head. Tyrion's like, oh shit. We're like, oh shit. But then when you stop and think about it, Jorah doesn't look at Cersei like she's the fucking queen. He looks at Danny like she's the queen. So is Jorah trying to take Tyrion to Danny? I think he's going to take it to Cersei. Take him to Cersei. No, no, no. I don't think he thinks that there's this big reward for, from Danny for Tyrion. I think he's much more interested now that he's been outcast from Danny. Now he wants to get back in good with the Lannisters? Yeah, because what's he going to do? I'm not going to marry him then. I'm not interested in that. Sorry, Jorah. I had to take mm. this quiz again. What does he think bringing Tyrion to them will do? I don't know, but why would he call Cersei the queen? One, she's not. Marjorie is. Two, doesn't he think Danny's the queen? He must. He must. He must mean D Danny, honestly. I mean, but yeah, I like to just think about it from all the different angles because it's fun to explore i don't prediction i don't i mean you know i don't know i think they're all gonna become friends it'll be like the three musketeers on the road traveling together oh adorable it'll be awesome yeah if he's like i'm gonna take you to the queen Daenerys and tears gonna be like that's where i was that's going, where I was going. <laughs> anyway jokes on you jorah dumb dumb and Varys yeah. is like yippee somebody but he else. says it like it's gonna somehow gain him favor with danny and that's the that's the only thing i don't see is what's his angle is she out for Tyrion? well well i guess he's a <clears> fucking He's Tywin's son. He's a lord. He's a this. He's, he's a, a Lannister. Yeah. So essentially, she wants to go and get them out of power. Isn't Tyrion a good bargaining chip? Maybe? Yeah, he is. He definitely is. He's valuable to have, no matter what. And he's cool. Right. And I like his beard. 
Good story. Just wanted to be honest. All right. So we got a couple of listener comments to get through, and then we'll wrap with our final thoughts. I have a comment from Allison James who says, wonder if you'll discuss a news headline I saw talking about how ratings went down considerably after the season five premiere episode, presumably due to their plot changes from the book. I'm a book reader and I care way less about the show now than I did a few years ago. The show was God exclamation point. But now I just try to consider it like the walking dead source material and show are just different takes of the same universe. Hmm. Well, I responded to her on that and on Facebook, and I said that I that the changes that I had witnessed so far in the show I thought were favorable, but I have the pleasure of having stopped at Storm of Swords. So I know that there was a lot of changes and a lot of differences. Uh, some people, uh, I, to be honest with you, I haven't really talked to book readers beyond the third book in this who have watched this far into the show. So I can assume that. Most of the time, when you start to deviate from source material, you'll, you'll piss off book readers. That's possibility. I haven't talked to enough book readers to really say if that really matters, so I don't really have any anecdotal evidence for you. But I think that uh, leaking four episodes as well as two major sports in the middle of playoff runs doesn't help your ratings, especially when your ratings for your premiere were the highest the show has ever seen. So I think you're going to see a natural decline after the first episode of a series, especially when it's the best that the series has ever done, as well as all these other circumstances. And the article she sent to me actually had comments on it. And one of the comments was saying like, all of us over here on whatever seaboard didn't have power that day because of all these tornadoes. So I don't know if that was part of it. Who the fuck knows? Do you you think it'll pick up when we get to the fifth episode, which wasn't leaked. Yes. Cause I, I think that I do think that I, I plenty of people watch the leaked episodes and people who subscribe to HBO. I didn't cause I, I just don't fucking have time. I got too much other podcasts to do. You can't watch the game of Thrones episodes ahead of time. We get fired from this podcast. That's true too. It's in our contracts with signed in blood, signed in blood, sent it with a Raven, sent with, with a, a lawyer, raven. dark wings, dark words. But yeah, it's, um, it's it's got to have something to do with it just based on timing. Somebody's like, oh, my team's in the playoffs. I want to watch my team in the playoffs. Uh, fucking, I can watch this episode now so I can actually watch the playoff game live because that's definitely going to get spoiled by every fucking ESPN alert on your phone. So they maybe, I don't know. I mean, again, this is just all speculation. I can't I bet say. some of it's book reader stuff too, though. I bet it, I yeah. mean, and I understand that because I do think some, and I know not that I've read the Game of Thrones books, but I do like to read books. Um, and sometimes I get super upset and like angry, like legit angry, like when changes are made in like movies and TV shows from books that like I love, like that I like really, really love. And so I think with people loving these books as much as they do, I could see people being mad if the show deviates from it and being like, screw this. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Like I understand that as like a book reader that – Sometimes you love your books, and when somebody fucks them up, you are pissed. Right. I got you. Although George R. R. Martin said it's all okay. Yeah, I mean, he's on the team. He's on the team. Yeah. He's team captain. It's not like some dead author whose shit they took and changed around. William Shakespeare. They don't change his stuff. Yes, they do all the time. Just kidding. I'll go first. You mean second? Uh, I'll go with my first person. (laughs) Phil Childers. I'm starting to like Jon Snow. I've never been a fan of him, but he's really stepping it up this season. I love the tender moment, backstories of Brienne and Pod and Marjorie calling Cersei out on being an alcoholic to her face. I'm sure that's not going to go over well. Overall, a great episode. Business is definitely starting to pick up. Yes, it is, Mr. Childers. Things are heating up for sure. And we have a bunch of different tangent lines 
really starting to move towards a major collision course, and I can't wait to see what happens. Me neither. That's a good, uh, good one. But I can't, I can't say enough good things about Jon Snow, and I agree with uh, Mr. Phil. And that's, he has agency. He has responsibility. He has to make major fucking decisions now, which is something that the show has always done with like these big characters. These lords have always had this ability to make a decision that influences all these other lives. Whereas Jon Snow is just like, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. Fuck off. I'm going to go here. You know? I love his accent. That's not really it, but. I know. Go ahead. That was sarcasm. Thanks, Phil. Good, good comment. My comment is from Peter Herman. Cersei is not going to be able to survive in King's Landing without her father. I just rewatched the episode where Cersei asked Tywin to give her more decision-making power, and he replied, I don't distrust you because you're a woman. It's because you lack the necessary intelligence. You can't even control your own son. Damn. Wow. And that's... Marjorie is all energized now from her four times a day king-banging. She is now getting... <laughs> woo, go Tommen. I think between her and the badasses from Dorne, the Lannisters are going down. Shit. It's a possibility. I think the Lannisters are in trouble. And I love that quote about Cersei. I don't just trust you because you're a woman. That's what Dean says to me all the time. I don't <laughs> just trust you because you're a woman. And he gives me some backhanded love. And then I say, I distrust you because you can't control your own son that you don't have. Yeah. He's like, you can't control your pets. I am. Um, no, but but in, in Cersei's defense, again, he no one could control could control Joffrey, even Tywin. At the end there, he was fucking out of control. That's why you shouldn't bang your brother and have children with him and like, you know, let them be sociopaths. It's not bad. Next comment. Go right ahead. Damaris simply said, didn't see that marriage arrangement for Sansi, Sansa and Ramsey coming. And then she had a picture, a screenshot of what looks like Littlefinger looking directly at the camera with this like wry grin. It's really funny. I love it. Cause I didn't see finger. I didn't see it coming either. God damn it. I was like, you gotta be shitting me. As soon as they said like they were going to marry him off and then we, you know, get the cut to Sansa. I'm like, holy shit. This is going to happen. I know. It's just crazy. Crazy. It's still crazy to me. It's got, it's going it, to, there's a lot of implications coming from that as well as Stannis marching on the north. For sure. John might go, but he might not like why he's going, depending on what he decides to do with Sansa. Valid point. Sir. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on. All right. That brings us to the conclusion here. So, Jessica, tell me your final thoughts, if any. On High Sparrow. A good episode. Exciting. Things are starting to happen, which I like. Um, we're getting less set up and more stuff going on. And I think that the next episode looks like there's going to be like fucking sword fighting and like crazy shit going down. I don't know. Is it a spoiler when you talk about the preview? I love the preview. No. So sorry. Um, the preview for the next episode looks awesome. And like people are going to be fighting and shit. So I'm pretty excited about that. It. Uh, this episode was, I was so I liked it so much just because of the marriage proposal, just because of the implications of what that means to have a Sansa, to have a Stark in the North, to know that these people, the North remembers that they have her back and I just want to see them rise up and fucking stab their overlords. I want that so bad. Um, I think that would be great. Uh, I think it would, that, that if Stannis does attack Winterfell, he might be completely and utterly successful in that all these other houses revolt at the same time and the mm -hmm. Boltons just get squashed. Cheer. Yay. That's a very good possibility. And then somebody new marries, somebody new marries Sansa. I don't know. Like, like Davos? <laughs> I don't know about that. It's a little old for her. A little old for her. 
But um, yeah, who knows? Who knows what could happen from there on out? But there's a lot of cool possibilities. Um, I liked, I'm, I'm confused as to what Jorah's doing. He's confusing me by capturing the imp, but I know the imp is valuable. Tyrion is a valuable commodity. He's a lord of a powerful house. So he's going to try to gain favor that way instead of being an outcast on the run his whole life, right? So yeah, that like makes it. sense. Um, I think that's, I think that's whatever's going on with this Bolton Littlefinger thing. I'm curious about what, what's their machinations. They're just saying, Hey, we're going to hang out in the North and be badasses." And what's his name's going to go back to the Erie. You're going to rule here and boom. Awesome. So I don't know if Littlefinger is saying he's going to help. Cause if Stannis attacks the Boltons, does that mean Littlefinger's going to get involved with the Erie's forces? I don't know. So he was insinuating. He was, but it's, little Doesn't finger he's gonna do it of course it's little finger right so i don't know there's a lot of cool things being set up and and really getting put in motion now i am super curious to see what they do with cersei because cersei has always been kind of in a position of power not necessarily Tyrion's intellectual rival and not really as strong as tywin so with both of them out of the picture which does affect her influence a little bit. And with her no longer being the queen regent, now just being the dowerage mother, as it were, it's going to be tough and challenging for her. And I want to see her struggle a little, and I want to see her overcome things. And I want to see how that, and I'm not saying she hasn't, but I want to see these new challenges that lay on the horizon for her and what she's going to do to survive and what she's going to do to, you know, not get constantly shit on by Marjorie and not be undermined at all times and, and what is she going to do to control things? Because I don't really think she has the small council's loyalty because they're not loyal people, except right. for maybe Mace. But Pycelle, Kyburn's got his own thing. I don't know. But yeah, a lot of cool shit going on, and I'm uh, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm ready. It's only three episodes, so we've got seven more to go, and it's going to be a lot of shit going on. I think so. All right. Anything else you want to say to the good people of podcast land? That's it. All right. You guys have a wonderful evening. We will catch you on the flip side. Goodbye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for checking out LSG Media's coverage of A Game of Thrones. Make sure you check us out on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net, where you can see other shows we have like The Walking Dead and the Science Fiction Film Podcast. All right, folks, we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Have a good one.